I don't know if you'd call this a pre-Israel message or if you would call it a, uh, a message of faith. But based on the limited understanding I have having not been there and understood and asked the questions I need to ask, I've done some understanding and reading over the last few weeks and months. And one of the things that I understand is that they are very, very proud of where they come from. Very much hold on to the truths and the histories that go back, that people fight over, they war over, and they all extend back to a man named Abraham. That's where a lot of those wars have stemmed from because of the lineages of Abraham. What's also interesting is a couple of weeks ago I preached on a man named Zacchaeus. And Jesus pronounced when Zacchaeus came to his presence, if you will, and accepted Jesus' request to eat at his house, that Jesus pronounced that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. When he did that, it was welcoming Zacchaeus back into the community of Jericho. That phrase, he is a son of Abraham, carried deep weight with the people who heard him pronounce that about Zacchaeus. That meant he's a part of the inner circle, a part of the inner clique, the popular crowd, if you will, but the welcomed people who had all the authority and decision-making process in that society. Well, maybe you grew up in high school or other situations in life where there were the popular people, the not popular people, the in crowd, the out crowd. Well, in Jewish culture and Middle Eastern as well, they have what are called circles. They have the inner circle and the outer circle. The inner circle were those who were welcomed, the outer circle were people who were not a part of your association. And when you're not a part of the association, it's because of a couple things. One of them, either they are unrighteous, unclean, or not of the lineage. You have to have all three. Lineage, righteousness, and clean to be in the inner circle. According to them, what they thought about Zacchaeus was he was unrighteous because he was a tax collector, unclean because he was defrauding people, and third, he was not of the lineage of Abraham because he denounced it by signing up with the Roman government. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this. Zacchaeus was an Israelite. He was a Jew, a Hebrew. But to get to be a tax collector, you had to sign on with the Roman government. Now you say, well, they're the ones who governed that area. It was the Roman Empire, the Caesars, etc. that all ruled for many, many years in that region. That's true. However, They did not like Roman authority. As a matter of fact, not liking it would have been subtle because the Romans were Gentiles. The Gentiles who served many gods, Zeus, Diana, Hercules, Poseidon, to name a few. All of them littering their countryside with false gods, telling them who they should worship, and they would say, we have one God. As a matter of fact, that the community of faith in the Israelite community was so strong that they built them a temple to keep them happy. 
They had people who ruled over large regions with military. But in that particular region, they kept the centurion, uh, not the centurion, but the legions, if you will, of soldiers outside of where the Israelite community was because they wanted them to feel like they were autonomous or self-governing in many areas. However, Roman rule and authority superseded Jewish rule, culture, and expectation. Why? Because that region was not under Israelite rule. They were not their own governing authority. The area was called Judea. Well, we know that, right? But that's a Roman word. It's not an Israelite word. They wouldn't have called themselves Judea. The word Judea means the Jewish people in Roman. Or in Roman. (laughs) In Greek. (laughs) So you have Judea, which means where the Jews live. We wouldn't have called ourselves that if we were at that nation. We would have called ourselves Israel. But Israel was not a nation. As a matter of fact, for about 2,000 years, they didn't have a homeland. And before that, when they did have it, they were taken into captivity. Before that, they were in Egypt. They kept getting displaced, separated, dispersed, set into captivity. All these things throughout their history until 1948 when they became their own nation. In 1967, they got the rest back. Did you know that? That it is in the last 70 to 90 years that Israel actually has its own nation and has not had They were subservient to other governments. Whether it was Babylonia, Rome, you name it. Assyria. All these different countries conquered them. And can you imagine, and I hope you can't, what Alexander the Great did to them? Devastating. Absolutely. And so, the reason I say all this is because in the text for today... The, dis- the people who Jesus are talking to are Jews who understand the lineage of Abraham connects to God. Abraham, God. Same thing. Almost like, well, I, uh, Moses is my forefather. Oh, you're holy, you know. It's like if you have a famous or well-known or well-respected grandparent, they expect you to be similar. And vice versa, if you have a bad parent, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. True. So today, we're going to look at what Jesus is doing when He says, the truth shall make you free. He says to the Jews who believed in Him, not just random scribes and Pharisees challenging Him, but the ones who believed in Him. He said, if you abide, in other words, if you keep doing My Word, You will be my disciples indeed. Truly. You will be. And you are. And you will know the truth and that truth will make you free. A lot of people say the truth will set you free, but it doesn't say that. It says you will know the truth. And the truth that you know makes you free. Truth you don't know, you won't live by. You won't understand or live according to. And they answered Him. (laughs) 
We are Abraham's descendants. And have never been in bondage to anyone. (laughs) Never been in bondage. It was only a few years when they weren't in bondage to somebody or under some other country's rule. And at that point in time, the Roman government held them in bondage. Do you hear what they're saying? We've never been... Can you say denial? Amen. How can they say that? It's absolutely ironic that they say, well, we've never been in bondage. Yes, they have. Think about Pharaoh. Slaves. I call that bondage. Babylonia. I call that bondage. Roman Empire. I call that bondage. We've never been in bondage to anybody. Do you understand how they're thinking here? Because we belong to Abraham, God has set us free to be His people, and therefore we don't have bondage because we belong to Abraham, and nobody can take that away. And, and, and Jesus is looking at them like, guys, you say you belong to Abraham never been in bondage. Yet here you are in bondage, you don't even know it. Or you're not acknowledging it. Listen, the truth that you know will set you free. They don't even know they're in bondage. You know how many people live bound up in sin and frustration, addiction, lies and uh, other kinds of behaviors in their own life and they think they're okay? They're in bondage and they don't even know it. How are you doing? I'm fine. Are you stuck? No, I'm not in bondage to anything. I'm free. I'm in a free country, so I'm free. Really? How would you answer that question? Are you in bondage to anything or anyone or any idea that keeps you from knowing the truth of God? Oh, gee, did I have to add that last part in? That keeps you from knowing the truth of God? The truth of God. That He is the Creator of the universe. That Jesus Christ is His Son. That He died and resurrected. And if you're part of His community, you're part of the faith people. And if you're not a part of Jesus Christ, you're not a part of anything eternal. Nothing. Anything you believe contrary to that is the truth you don't know. And you're in bondage to the truth because you don't know it. The lie has kept you bound. But but, but I feel free. No one's telling me what to do. If God's Holy Spirit isn't encouraging you, blessing you, convicting you, I would start worrying. No, you don't have to worry. I would start praying. And I would pray until the Holy Spirit started convicting me, encouraging me, and challenging me to live a God-breathed life. God-filled life. Oh, but we're not in bondage to anybody. So Then they say, so how can you say you will be made free? Oh, my goodness. There's so many things in just that one sentence that they say. How can you say you will be made free. Can I tell you something? The people who don't know what the freedom of Jesus Christ is don't even understand that they're not free. And people don't live in the power of the Holy Spirit don't understand that there's something they're missing. They don't know it because they never had it. They don't know what it's like. I'll give you an example. And I'm not saying because of me, but because of God, this is why it is. Friday night... 
I was sleeping on my sister's couch. She lives right next to Interstate 55 in St. Louis County, uh, Carondelet, Missouri. There's an on-ramp, excuse me, an off-ramp, an exit ramp, with a chain-link fence along the exit ramp. And about five feet on the other side of that chain-link fence is um, a street called Idaho. 18 to 20 feet across that is the edge of the road. Another 20 feet, my sister's house. So about 100 feet total from the off-ramp. Well, if you all remember, Friday was kind of messy, right? Mm -hmm. Guy comes off. I think he was going too fast. Comes off Interstate 55, comes down the exit, loses control, crashes through the fence. My sister's car is parked in one spot. The neighbor's parked in front of her. I'm parked in front of that car. He comes careening toward all three cars. There's a five-foot gap or so between the neighbor's car and my sister's car and about a five-foot gap between my neighbor's, her neighbor's car and my car, van. And uh, he comes craning toward it all. He comes right toward the front of my sister's car, sliding, sliding, going about 60 miles an hour, I'm guessing. Because what happens next just doesn't make any sense. Somehow or another, he elevates. He comes on his side somehow. I don't know how. You can see the pictures. I got the pictures and the damage is done. And hits the back of the neighbor's car and misses my sister's car by four inches. I tried to back my car up to be within about a foot of that other car, but something said, don't go any further back. You know, you might want to give them room to get out or something. So I stopped eight feet in front of them. Well, it pushed that car forward a little bit, but not eight feet. It comes and elevates up this little hill about three to four feet and there's a tree there. In front of his car hits the tree. He starts going skyward. Aimed directly toward my sister's house. The tree breaks. Part of the tree flies across the sidewalk between my sister's house and the neighbor's. And the other part of the tree holds fast. The car stops this far from my sister's house. The headlight shining in the window where I'm fast asleep. I thought my sister was breaking ice off her porch from the storm and it woke me up. And I'm going, hey, can't you do that a little more quiet? And so I try to go back to sleep. And there's this beating on the door and I thought it was her some more. And I'm going, what's going on? Doesn't she know I'm trying to sleep? We got a long day tomorrow. And I, and I get up. And I go to the door, and it's this guy at the door, and he's going, um, do you know whose car is out there parked there? I'm going, yeah, you know, we've got, we got three out there. I'm in the front, my sister's in the back, and the neighbor's in the middle. He says, the one in the middle. I hit it. And I'm going, I'm, you know how you are when you're really tired, you don't know what's going on yet? Uh, there's a headlight like three feet from me. I, I have no clue what's going on here. I don't remember my sister having a headlight in her front yard. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> What's this car doing in her yard? Is it supposed to be like this? That's all I could think. You know, I was just totally out of it. And, uh, and I said, uh, that's someone else. He goes, oh, great. And he's mad. Obviously, it's not his fault that he slid off the curb. It's someone else's. And so uh, I get my sister and I tell her what happens. And, uh, and she says, what? I thought it was uh, the cat jumping up on a box. I said, no. 
there's been a car hit out there. And she goes, what? I said, well, it didn't get mine. It was behind mine. She goes, oh, it must have been mine. And she runs out there and looks and she goes, oh my, what is this car in my yard? And I go, it was, what, what is, what's it doing here? I'm still, you know, dazed. And uh, she said, oh my gosh. And then she said this. The guy had been going five mile an hour faster. You'd have been hit. I was in a car wreck in bed. <laughs> That's what I said. I, I I think I called or texted somebody. So I just was in, almost in a car wreck, and I was asleep. And they said, "Oh no, you drove off the road, didn't you?" I said, "No, I was on a couch." Needless to say. That text was confusing to the person who got it. How could you be in a car wreck on a couch? Uh, the car was outside, I was inside, it almost was inside. That's the best way I could say it. I was so tired. But anyway, the damage was minimal. The only thing I hurt was a tree and the bumper of the neighbor's car. And after about an hour or so, cops and all this fire department and ambulances and everything, they finally departed and he pulled, they pulled his car off the tree. He drove away. And it started clunking, so I had to tow it away. But the reason I say all this is they asked my sister, my sisters and I and new brother, new old brother, are in a text chain, uh, is he all right? And she said, listen, he made it here through the storm on Friday night. A car tried to hit him in sleeping I think God's going to get him back home for church on time. <laughs> God is with your brother, is what she was saying. So, the reason I say that is, um, the whole point I was trying to make is, that God cares for His people. That God knows how to bring people to where they need to be. If you're not in bondage, God moves you to places, the Holy Spirit works in your life to keep you and move you forward. If God isn't doing supernatural stuff in or through you, you've got to ask yourself, what's wrong with my connection here? Am I not plugged into the power source? Am I not finding strength in God? Or is He not helping me? And that's a question you should ask. I'm not saying, oh, because I preached that God did that. What I'm saying is, God had to. <laughs> I was asleep. The, the call to worship I read is, your God does not slumber nor sleep. That was for me. I'm thankful. Because it was up to me to get out of the way of that car. I'd have had to have been awake. I'd have had to have been looking out the window. And I'd have surely been more traumatized than I was. So the only reason I share this with you is because if you don't understand how God works, and you don't understand the protection and the coverage of the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't know what you don't have. It's hard to explain that any other way. But... People are saying, well, Abraham's our father, therefore we're not in bondage. Just because you have good background and breeding and things like that does not mean that you won't be in bondage. That's a simple statement. Well, Jesus, of course, doesn't leave it alone. Jesus answers to them and says, in verse 34, now you understand why he says this, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. If you've ever sinned, you're in bondage. Romans tells us in the book of Romans, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory and righteousness of God. We're all condemned unto sin. All of us are in bondage. If we ever say, I'm not in bondage, you call God a liar. 
All have sinned. We are in bondage until we're set free. If we've never been in bondage in our mind, then we've never been set free from the bondage we're in. Because when you're set free from the bondage, you know it. You can't say, I've never been in bondage and tell the truth before God. We have all been in bondage. So the truth is that until you have experienced the freedom of release from bondage, you're in bondage. And until you experience that release, you don't know you're in bondage. They didn't know either. And he says, a slave does not abide in the house, but a son does. You're in bondage, you're a slave. If you're a slave of sin, you do not belong in the kingdom of God forever. You have to be set free. And that's why he says again, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Makes sense now. Now listen to verse 37. He acknowledges their statement. Oh, I know... (laughs) You're Abraham's descendants. I know that you're in his lineage, but that does not mean that you belong to Abraham's family. Wait a minute. If we trace back the DNA and the lifeline, oh, I'm in the family. No, you're not, because it's the wrong family you're thinking about. And this is what he says I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. And they keep thinking Abraham is their father. Here's what Jesus said. I mean, this is what they responded to him. Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. So they keep saying, Jesus says, I know your descendants of Abraham. I know this. They say, Abraham is our father. That's who we listen to. And Jesus says to them in verse 39, the most important verse this morning. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. You're not a part of what you don't act a part of. You are a part of what you do act a part of. In Galatians we learn, Abraham is a father of all who believe in God by faith. Even Romans tells us this in Romans chapter 4, that Abraham was believed before there was a law. And his faith was credited as righteousness. Therefore, all who are of the faith are of the family of Abraham. Blood birth does not count in the family of Abraham, but faith does. In other words, you must be a faith person to be in the family of Abraham. Faith people is what I like to call a Christian A true Christian is a person who's a matter of faith, not of descendancy. Well, that's a positive, powerful way to say it, but what's that got to do with us, right? Well, so what if Abraham is our father? Do you not miss what's important about that? It says, in Abraham you are blessed. In Abraham you are not cursed, but freed. Through Abraham, all nations shall be blessed. Yeah, I know blessing. You know, we say a blessing at the meal. We bless each other. God bless you when you sneeze and all. That's not what we're talking about here. 
The blessing of Abraham is that he will be a nation forever. A faith nation forever. This is an eternal blessing. An eternal favor of God through those who belong to Abraham. And he said he will make Abraham's descendants as numbers greater than the stars in the sky and sands on the beaches of the earth. Go ahead and count that. Or don't. Mm -hmm. So if you belong to Abraham by faith, it means the promise of God that He made to Abraham applies to you. That who you bless will be blessed. Who you curse will be cursed. That through you, others will be blessed. And we... we, we use this word bless and it just doesn't carry the weight that I think it needs for us. Maybe we could say it like this. Through Abraham, all nations find relationship with the Father that is eternal, that has the bounty and the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. The forgiveness, the mercy, the seed time and harvest, all the blessings that God pours out on His people, favor, uh, righteousness, prosperity, all come when you belong to the family of Abraham by faith. Are you a faith people? Christians are a faith people. They are not of the blood lineage of Abraham. They are of the faith lineage. I want you to hear this back in the context of Zacchaeus again. Remember, Zacchaeus was blood lineage of Abraham. But, tax collector. Therefore, not a good person. Wait a minute. Don't miss this. Here's their justification a little later, or actually earlier. We're descendants of Abraham, therefore we have God's favor. That's the only need and only reason they have God's favor. Because they're in the bloodline of Father Abraham. It's the only reason. Later we find they reject Zacchaeus because he's a tax collector, defrauds, is unclean, but... He's in the bloodline of Abraham. Wait a minute. How can you do that and say, we're good, we've never been in bondage to anything because we are, Abraham is our father, and over here go, oh, except for him. <laughs> He's in the descendants of Abraham, but he don't count. How can you say one doesn't count and uh, uh, we do because we've never been in bondage? Oh, but he's in bondage because he defrauds. Now you see their justification doesn't make any sense. Because we've all been sinful. And we all have a reason to say then, if He's no good because He sinned, then I must be no good even though I've never been in bondage. Because I've sinned. And that's why Jesus says you can't have a double standard and say all people who are descendants of Abraham are of God and then say this guy Zacchaeus is not. Jesus' proof text there in Luke 19 where He says, this is the son of Abraham. 
He's not talking about by blood. He's talking about after Abraham said, Abraham, Zacchaeus says that I am giving half my goods to the poor, and if I've ever defrauded anybody, I restore fourfold. He's already been doing that. We learned that a couple weeks ago. He is acting in faith throughout the whole time, and Jesus acknowledges it that he's a son of Abraham who's done the right thing. But he isn't saying that he's a son of Abraham by blood, although he is a son of Abraham by blood. He's saying he's a son of Abraham because he acts like Abraham did. He believed in God and acted according to that faith. He was faith people. And they didn't see that because they saw him as defrauding them as an outer circle person, not inner. And from that point forward, Zacchaeus was a part of the inner circle of faith people, whether anybody else would acknowledge him or not. So the question I have for you this morning is, when you come and say, God, I love you, I thank you Jesus died for me, I believe in you, and I'm so thankful that I trust you, and I know you're the Son of God, and therefore you are obligated to enter in me into your kingdom at the point of my passing and St. Peter can open those gates and swing wide because I said I believed in your son. Jesus did not say belief. He said according to what Abraham did. That Abraham believed and acted on that faith. Your faith must become action to be a child of Abraham. That's why he said, you do the works of your father, which is the devil. He says it a little later in this chapter. You do the works of your father, the devil, not Abraham. Because if you did the works of Abraham, you would believe me. Why? Because if you believe the father, you're going to believe the son. Wait a minute. Don't don't miss this. If you believe the father, you believe the son's connected, you're going to believe in the son. If you got good grandparents and good parents, sons gonna be pretty good. Might want to listen to him. If you got a perfect God and a perfect righteous son, then they're both connected. They both have the same credibility. Mm-hmm. Jesus bore witness to himself by bearing witness that he was from the Father, and they didn't understand that. The question isn't whether they did or not, because that's not relevant to you and me. What's more important is do you? Do you understand that? That if you have not begun to live a life of faith-based works, not your works saving you, but that you responded to the love that God has shed abroad in your heart by loving others and loving God more and more and more and more, if you have done that, you're a part of the faith people. If you have not done that, you're not a part of the faith people. I'm not going to tell you whether you have or have not walked out the righteousness of God through works. But I'm going to say this. You, you will know if you're in bondage by whether or not you believe you've never been. If you don't think you need Jesus Christ to redeem you, you're in bondage. How else can I say that? You're still in bondage to sin and you're doing the works of your father, which is the devil. It's an ugly truth, but a truth nonetheless. The truth you know will set you free. The truth is, Jesus Christ came to set you free from the curse of law, sin, and death. But you have to be under His covering. 
Friday, boarding an airplane on Turkish Airlines, Istanbul, Istanbul to Tel Aviv, being a land of people descended from Abraham. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the entire nation that's descended from Abraham are righteous? Do you believe that? Do you believe they walk around loving and blessing others the way God has blessed them? Or do you think that maybe the descendants still have to have some faith too? If they don't get out of it in their bloodline, how can you? If they don't get out of it, come on, they don't get an exemption. They're in the bloodline of Abraham. They don't get out of exemption not having faith. They've got to have faith in the Son of God and His Father and act according to that faith by loving others and God. Amen. Not obligational, but have the joy of being free from the chains of life that held you down. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced deliverance? Amen. Have you experienced freedom? Have you experienced being set free by the grace of God and knowing that you could not have done it? If you've experienced that, you know what it's like to be set free by the truth. If you have not experienced that, then my friend, faith is not present. And you're stuck. Bondage. Oh, no, no. I can do what I want. I can think what I want. That's not freedom. You can think what you want in a jail cell. If your jail cell is you can't leave the country, you can go anywhere you want in the country. You can go anywhere you want. Well, let's put it this way. You can go anywhere you want in this world. But you can go legally. You can go anywhere. Does that mean you're free? No. It means you're autonomous. Autonomous means self-governing. And self-governing and freedom are not the same thing. Freedom is to be under the law of God and His righteousness, to live out the love of life and faith through good works to others by loving God and loving others. That is freedom. And if you see that as bondage or or, uh, unfair set of cards, you've not understood freedom yet. The Sadducees came to Jesus, asked him a question. Love this question. It's a great question. He said, uh, Man has married a woman and doesn't have any children with her and dies. So, his brother marries her. According to the law, you got to marry to get the family name. So, the brother marries her and he dies. On down the line through seven brothers, no children. And they said, which brother will be her husband in heaven, in eternity? And Jesus' answer has two parts. And the second part is what I'm going to focus on. But the first one is this. You, you guys err because you do not understand the Scriptures or know the truth Amen. about God. First of all, in heaven, you're not taken or given in marriage. You're like the angels. That'd be a great sermon series right there. You are like the angels in heaven. So you better be like them here. You know what I'm saying? 
helping others minister to those who are receiving salvation. And he said, but as according to the resurrection of the dead, he says, have you not read that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's the, he's the God of Abraham, there you go, the big guy, and his sons, Isaac and grandson, Jacob. He's that God. And then he says, and he's not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. And if your father Abraham is alive and present with God in eternity, then God is a God of living and Abraham therefore resurrected from the dead. How can he be a God of dead people? That's what Jesus is asking them. Here's the thing that I'm trying to pull in with that. If Abraham is your father and Abraham is alive, because of his faith, then God, who is the father of us all through Abraham, has brought us eternity through faith in Him, not in Abraham, but in God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. If that power is alive and at work through Abraham even today, then wouldn't it make sense that your faith in God would bring the same for you? If you're in that lineage, you get it. Nowhere does it say he's the God of Ishmael or uh, Cain. (laughs) Go on, right? Pharaoh. He doesn't say he's the God of that. But he does say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus acknowledges this. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe God is alive and can grant to each who believe in Him eternity forever with Him? The answer is He can. Do you believe that? And do you believe that the way that happens is because God loves you so much that you just get a pass? Do you think that God expects of you what He expected of Abraham? That Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteous, and the way Abraham believed God was to act on what he believed. To live it out. Do you trust that God? Do you follow His Word which says, Love Him, love others? Or are you giving yourself a pass? If you're giving yourself a pass, I'm going to share with you one simple statement before we pray. You're in bondage. You can argue in your head all you want, but if you do not have faith in God and act according to that faith throughout your life, you are in bondage. Because you can believe in God and not do a thing because the demons believe and shudder. You have to be able to respond to that faith for it to be faith. Otherwise, it's a good idea. It's something to say to keep people off your back. I believe in God. Leave me alone. Let me go beat up my neighbor. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I sure hope that you're free because you've been set free. That's my prayer. What is your prayer? Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, You are the King of the universe, Creator of it all. 
You gave us your law. You fulfilled it through your son, Jesus, the Messiah. You covered us with his righteousness. And we stand here this morning as your people. We stand here knowing that you love us. We are in your presence right now. Knowing that all things are possible because of your son. And I'm asking right now, if anybody does not know what it's like to be set free, that you show them they're still in bondage. Holy Spirit, start moving in this place. Start giving glory to your heavenly Father. Raising up Jesus Christ that he is the only way freedom comes. That relationship. So Heavenly Father, you've anointed the name of Jesus Christ by which no other name we must be saved. So this morning I'm asking you to convict, convince, and challenge each heart that doesn't know who you are, core level, that without you they are nothing. And come to naught. Heavenly Father, you even said to your son in the parable of the sheep and the goats, the only difference between the sheep who were blessed and the goats that were sent to eternal damnation was what they did and did not do. Examine us, help us examine ourselves and come straight with you with the truth. Amen.